the meta narrative discussion that I've been having with Pastor Larry McKnight. Welcome, Larry. It's always a joy to have hi, you Catherine, on. Hi, and hi, folks. Yeah, I know it's it's a it's a real joy to be back here. And honestly, this this is a it's one of my favorite topics. Oh, it's so brilliant. We can just keep on going. It was kind of funny that because we before we started recording, you and I were kind of getting into the conversation because it's such a great conversation. And uh-huh. then, wow, we might as well press record because it's really good. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to leave people in the dust. <laughs> so, absolutely. So um, uh, just to kind of get people caught up and get their heads kind of wrapped up, can, can you um, remind us what you mean when you talk about a meta-narrative? Okay. So I, I, uh, I have t- two definitions. Uh, last time I gave you my definition because it was one that kind of flowed into uh, discussing it relative to Christian thought, relative to Christian theology in our lives and God. But uh, this is, if somebody looks up meta narrative on Google, this is the Google definition. It's an overarching account or an interpretation of the events and circumstances that provide a pattern or structure for people's beliefs and give meaning to their experiences. And I think that's a good definition, but as it applies to, to Christian thought, it made more sense to me. So I, I, I talk to our people like this, a fancy sounding word describing foundational assumptions in story form that are rarely questioned, that lie behind how and why we see and interpret data. And when I use data, particularly thinking in Christian terms, I'm talking about how we view events in life, how we view our experiences with God, and how we view the Scripture. Um, so data, events, and experiences the way we do. And the way we do, it just means our meta narrative, the, the assumptions that get woven into story form determine what we, how we interpret a passage of Scripture that we read. It, in, it, it determines how we interpret events. One of the, one of the, Easiest ways to see the influence of meta narrative, but if you don't look at it and realize meta narrative is having an influence, you'll just assume, well, how could anybody see it differently? Is the way people merge their views of current events, biblical prophecy, and eschatology. Mm-hmm. And so you see so many people who are constantly trying to shoehorn the latest event, the war in Ukraine or the political fallout or something along those lines into into a, a some slightly tweaked version of eschatology, the, mm-hmm. the study of last things, what's going to happen in the future. Is Jesus coming back? Blah, blah, blah. And I say blah, blah, blah. It's a terrible thing to associate with that. Yes, Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it's not going to be because what, of what's what on we CNN. mean by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to be because of, of what you heard on CNN last night. Mm-hmm. This is something that's been flowing from the heart of God. But the assumption, uh, the assumptions about that is, Colors definitions about Matthew 25 and about Revelation, all that kind of stuff. So without going too much. So that you don't that, see anything else. It's so obvious you can't. And that's part of one of the things that you were talking about last time, because yeah. with our meta narratives, we can't see the things that go against it. We're literally right, right. We blind ourselves and we defend it and we feel threatened 
when something doesn't happen with our meta narratives. So, I mean, you can see this culturally with, you know, the vaccine or, I mean, pick yes, a card, absolutely. any card, and everybody is so convinced. It's so obvious. You're such an idiot and maybe being even less nice than that. And then we do that in, 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 you know, the, the, the body of Christ. It's so obvious. Um, and we have to realize that we all fall under this. There's a humility in recognizing that actually we're all susceptible. And, and so. so we're looking at the same scripture and we're seeing it maybe diametrically opposed. Um, and we're both convinced we're right. And the other one is, you know, whatever God's going to punish them for not interpreting it right or whatever, yeah. or we're sending yeah. people to hell or whatever we're doing. And this is part of what God is doing in us, you know, in, in conforming it as, as we renew our minds and conforming us into the image of Christ so that we're seeing as he sees, because his meta narrative is called truth. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah, is it truth. is. It yeah. really is. And, and, and honestly, God is the only one who sees everything as it really is. Mm-hmm. And so we have to hold our convictions, not so much loosely. Uh, I know when I talk to people about rethinking the foundations of what they think, they, they assume at first, and it's a frustrating conversation for a lot of people. I understand it. Uh, I know you encounter it when you're trying to counsel people or when you're teaching, and, and I do as I'm pastoring and teaching. But <clears throat> we, we have to understand, Paul was really clear at the end of 1 Corinthians 13. We mentioned this last time. We, we know in part, we prophesy in part. And so what part don't we know and what influence does that blindness have on us and how do we approach that blindness? So I like to ask my friends, especially pastors, how comfortable are you with the part you don't know? And it's, it's an interesting conversation starter because we don't think about the parts we don't know. Yeah. We would admit, Oh, I don't know everything, mm-hmm. but if you really pause and think about, I wonder if some of the stuff I don't know is really important. Well, then that has a tendency, and people are afraid to think that way because it has a tendency to breed insecurity. And then we don't like insecurity, so we push back. And when somebody says, oh, I see it this way, and that's opposite maybe or just different than the way we see it, about judgment, about punishment, about what it, you know, about the gospel, about the the truth, you know, Uh, that makes us very insecure. And usually defenses come up when we're insecure. And it's completely unnecessary, is my point. Mm-hmm. And looking at, at the components of our meta narrative, the assumptions of our meta narrative, um, is one way that I've found to get in good conversations with, with good hearted people. And more, most people are good hearted, even yes. in their adamance, even yes. in their frustration or their insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it easier to love one another <laughs> if Yay. you just recognize I've got a tape running in my head that makes me see things differently than you do. Yeah, exactly. And, and discounts any, any, any information, any scripture, any data that goes against what my narrative is. And a lot of times it's done on such a subconscious level, right? And, and when we get to the place where, uh, uh, being right and we're kind of attacking one another or whatever, uh, because our meta narratives crash, uh, clash, you know, we're doing the one thing. I mean, God said we're to love as he loves. And he yep. didn't say we're supposed to agree on all doctrine the way he agrees with his own doctrine, right? And so um, we could hold some things loosely, um, a lot of things loosely. The person of Christ, 
uh, that, that's a, that's a cling to. That's a, that's a union established issue, the finished work of the cross. But what does that mean? And I know one of the things that we talked about, which is so good. And I think this is so helpful for people who are willing. If you start to question your sacred cows, what happens is what's really true, like gets that much more solid as Absolutely. you grapple with it. And then honestly, some of the things like, well, I assume that, but actually, no, I'm not really sure that can fall away. And there's some things we really can hold loosely. Uh, and given the fact that we can be secure because Christ has us and mm-hmm. right. And so, and we're forgiven, we're adored, we're one with God, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that we can revisit. Um, that's actually important too. Uh, and helps us grow. And one of the things we were talking about that in terms of meta narratives is what is the gospel? And a lot of us yeah. was like, duh, you know, it's so obvious. It's like, ooh, until you start digging. And yeah. then, and that, but it's good. It's good. It's healthy. God loves us to grapple with truth because he can bring us up to higher levels of wisdom, understanding, knowledge as we're resting in him and having him lead us and guide us where we need to go. So, yeah. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, maybe an example out of theology around the early church and some of the, the debates and heresies and various things that were there. I'm using that word in the technical sense, not the way you throw it around today and you know, blaming somebody else just because they disagree with you. But one of the assumptions that a large group of people made is, is that, uh, they inherited that Greek assumption that the natural stuff, the flesh was evil. Therefore, it was very difficult for them to understand the incarnation where God took on. Right. How flesh. could you take on something evil? Evil. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much that these, these men and women that thought that and, and combated and was combated against in the Nicene Creed and Irenaeus and all this kind of stuff speaking against that. It wasn't that they were less devoted to scripture, but because they had this meta narrative assumption that flesh is evil, the natural mm-hmm. world is evil, it's, it's incomplete, so all this kind of stuff. Until that was challenged, mm-hmm. they, they couldn't accept something as fundamental and as fully revealed in scripture as the incarnation. Exactly. And so that we, exactly. we really do face some of these very same things right. today. Uh, and, and like you say, in the, in the gospel, that was one of the, the first big applications that we made at Joyland is we realized, wow, I wonder what assumptions are guiding our thoughts, the, the thoughts that flash into and define uh, the gospel when we hear that word or when we speak that word. Mm-hmm. And so all we really did was slow down and, and look at a couple other examples and then go back and and re-look at the scripture. And then, of course, I was mentioning to you earlier, and you, you properly corrected me, uh, it's not that we're trying to rewrite the gospel. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is understand more deeply what the gospel is revealed to be in the scriptures exactly. and by Jesus. And um, so anyway, that was an exercise we did and, and we came up with a, a little deal and I'd, I'd love to share it. Yay. I would love to have you thing. share it. I, you know, I, I, fabulous. Let's do it. Okay. Well, let me, uh, let me just, something I think I mentioned last time that as kind of a lead up to this is uh, we went and checked out some other ministries and the scriptures they used about the gospel. 
And this isn't to be critical. It's just to show some diversity. So, um, one of the, the, the gospels that were probably, uh, people that grew up in the last little while, like we did really familiar with is the Roman road. Right. And so all of the scriptures, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of these that are the traditional Roman road path to salvation. And uh, so let me just, just share these with you real quick. Uh, and, and I'll read the summary of them. I won't take the time to read the whole scripture, but Romans 3, 9 through 12, plus verse 23 is where we uh, read about all are under sin and all fall short of the glory of God. So again, the emphasis of that in the Romans road passage is that all sin, all are under sin and all fall short of the glory. In Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death and the gift of God's free life. Romans 5, 8, God loves while we were still sinners. So you notice I've only covered three scripture and all three of them are about sin. sin. Mm-hmm. Um, Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10 is kind of the first breakout. Uh, it, it has to do with we confess and we believe and we call on the name of the Lord. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's good. That's where we get the idea of confession and, mm-hmm. and sort of inviting Jesus in our heart. Mm-hmm. Then Romans 5, 1 is we're justified by faith and have peace with God. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, 1 is there's no condemnation in Christ. And that's not directly about sin, but it it pivots the whole thinking or if of the you're, you're condemned because you sinned. Exactly. <laughs> right? And yeah. and then uh, Romans 8, 38, nothing separates us from God's love. That's the one reference in the Romans passages to love. Yeah. And uh, God is love. And love is the thing that causes us to, to be prepared for eternity. Love mm-hmm. is the thing that casts out fear of punishment, according to First John. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that is the scriptures that people who adhere to the churches and, and ministries who adhere to the Roman road path of salvation would say, well, this is, this explains the gospel fully, mm-hmm. but there's another couple of groups. Uh, let's see here. Okay. So this is the desiring God org. It's John Piper's organization. Okay. And so the scriptures here uh, are Mark 10, 45, Romans 5, 8, which was used in the other Romans 6, 23, which was used in the other. But here's a new one, Romans 8.32, then 2 Corinthians 5.21. I don't know how this could possibly not be a scripture that's around the gospel because it talks about he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the right guy. So I that appreciate might be a that. thing. Yeah, I appreciate the Bible include that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8.9 uh, is about grace. 1 Timothy is that Christ came to save sinners. Uh, 1 John 4.10 uh, is that he sent his son as a propitiation. God is love. And then Revelation 5, 9. So my point is not to do a detailed study of John Piper's version of the gospel versus the Roman road version, but just to see that sincere people in pursuit of the gospel draw from different scriptural resources and, uh, and feel, I'm certain they feel very powerfully that they're being accurate about the gospel. Right. And, and so, and, and, there, them, and, and no condemnation. You're walking in the light that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's more and light. The we're all blind and need more have. light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what I discerned from that or what I gleaned from that, that as I was with the Lord praying about this is, so Lord, we have permission to search the scripture and understand and articulate the gospel based on how you show it to us in, in the Bible. So mm-hmm. being true to the scripture is not in question. Right. It, we're, we're not turning to some other weird source and we're not just mm-hmm. trying to 
And, and I'm not, not even And we're not kind of get, you know, this is what I think, this is what I feel. We're really right, right. we're delving into scripture and grappling yeah. with it with Holy Spirit. Exactly. Um, exactly. Not but knowing. we still do have to make a choice. We mm-hmm. have to make a choice on what we what we what we allow, what we draw from in this mm-hmm. particular topic. Just like if I was going to teach on well, I just got through teaching uh, on, on how we do church out of out of First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen, and you have to make choices in there about things like prophecy and tongues, interpretation, all that kind of stuff. So it's being true to the scripture leaves us a lot of room. Mm-hmm. But the, I think the best way to think about that freedom is that God is with us. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is committed to lead us into all truth. And we all know in part. Mm-hmm. So the part that we know is what God has revealed to mm-hmm. us. And may, maybe that has to do with a certain season in our life, a certain mm-hmm. time in our life. So mm-hmm. your listeners and viewers, they have the same freedom that I do as a pastor or you do as, yeah. a, as a teacher and a counselor mm-hmm. and, and minister is to live mm-hmm. with your heart open and your eyes on the scripture. Mm-hmm. And in relationship to the Lord with expectation that he's going to, you know, and, and one of the basically things gives be- the admonition to do what, what, what our hand finds to do. Exactly. So. And, and one of the things that we can rest in the process because your salvation is not based on you getting it all correct. Absolutely. Um, I mean, oh goodness, then oh, the we're all in that. deep doo doo. I mean, that's just yeah. a thing, but, um, but our, we can rest in the fact um, that we have a God who adores us and who's the one that's leading us. And there's something, you know, I think sometimes people think it's like, well, why didn't you make it clearer, you know, or whatever in scripture, whatever, you know, whatever. And there's something about what happens when we grapple with these concepts, with scripture, when we talk to God, when we bear our hearts to God, when we bear our fears to God or whatever we got going on. There's something that happens in the relationship as we grow in the journey, the very act of grappling with it, uh, understanding we have blind spots or that there's like, this looks like this is, you know, uh, uh, contradicting this and how can this be, blah, blah, blah. And we're grappling with paradox and mystery and all these different things is that uh, it comes down to this place of us and him. Yes. And we grow in the knowledge of him as we're growing and understanding, okay, so what is the gospel? What is blah, blah, blah? What did you actually save us from? Or what did you actually save us to? What is saving? What all that? Mm-hmm. And it's all about relationship. And that's, that's the eternal. That's the, that's the life everlasting. It's knowing him and his son. Right. And then what does that mean? And so we're growing in that. And there's something if, if he, we just kind of got it and had it all figured out in our little boxes and we just had this brilliant under whatever that is. And that just happened. Um, we would, we would miss out on the whole journey with the Lord in grappling with it. Um, he, God loves honest questions, um, that seem irreverent because it may be going against our, our sacred cows, but he mm-hmm. loves that because there's something about him and us. It's about him and us together growing, uh, in the knowledge of him and then what the finished work of the cross means and all of those things. And we wouldn't do that if we had the, the comfort of just having it all figured out. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You know, you talk about honest questions. When I realized how open to questions God was, was when I, I was contemplating that person, Isaiah. 
Come, let us reason together. Let your sins be as scarlet. I'll make them as white as wool. What? You're willing to invite me to reason with you over probably the most destructive issue in all the cosmos, which is sin. Yeah. Right? Wow. And yeah, he's the one that incredible. cleanses us, right? So we can yes. rest. It's not us. Well, I figured it out now. Awesome. I'm good to go. Because there's no security in that. Your security is found only in Christ. And yeah. he is secure. <laughs> uh, you know, tragically, yeah. I, I, I think, I think this sense of security that we are tempted to draw mm-hmm. from believing that we understand everything correctly mm-hmm. is literally a carryover from the garden. It's when yes. walking with God was substituted with knowing good and evil. Right. And, and, and we've, we've got to humble ourselves and resist that perpetual temptation to think that our standing, our health, our growth, our life comes mm-hmm. from knowing what's good and avoiding what's evil. Uh, that was the substitute that the serpent presented, mm-hmm. that the enemy presented. And so uh, true. So all that to say, we began to realize that we could exercise our freedom and re-examine the scripture to better understand the gospel mm-hmm. and better declare it. So that's what led to this, this exercise so on, on a, a gospel that we're comfortable with at Joyland and yeah. believe that we draw from the scripture. So I, you know, I'll share this and then l- let you and let your, your viewers, I mean, they're free to, to judge whether we've done a halfway decent job or, or way off the track <laughs> or anything. But the big thing I want to reinforce to people is that you have this freedom. You have this opportunity to let the scripture speak to and through you to the people that you love and the people around you. And we don't just have to take somebody else's list and somebody else's path. Mm-hmm. So, it, and I know that sounds scary and it sounds subjective and it sounds like, well, what if we go wrong? And then the Holy Spirit is here saying, this is the way walk in it. That's exactly. And he's masterful. And since he's oh. love, he's the one that's leading you and guiding you. And yeah. apparently he's just really not all upset that you don't have it all figured out yet. Um, yeah. and you know, and that, that creates a dependency, which is a humility and it's relational as you remain. And that's the big, you, that's you, the big you, know, you emphasize this all the time. Yeah. Eternal life is knowing God and Jesus whom he sent. And the Holy Spirit is down here to grant us life. Mm-hmm. Jesus has become a life-giving spirit. What does that mean? That means that he gives us the relationship. Mm-hmm. He reinforces that. He brings it together. The Holy Spirit has come to create relationship with us and our Father. And um, and so it's, I'm excited. I think, I think, honestly, I think there is a revival of relational knowledge of God mm-hmm. going on around the world. And I think we don't see it because we get all locked up and challenged by our mm-hmm. own previous assumptions, our meta-narrative. And uh, but when it does break through, it's a super refreshing, beautiful thing. Oh, it is. And, and, you know, and it's really interesting. I think sometimes just to encourage people, because I think sometimes people feel very alone in their grappling. And I feel like this is just what God is doing. And so one of the things that I know you you do and and you connect with and I I have a, a part to play and we all have a part to play. Um, it's helping people to realize that wow, this is something that God is doing in people and that you're not alone in the process. So Absolutely. it may not look maybe you know your 
where you were getting fed at one point is not tracking with that, but you're feeling like I've got to question these things and you feel very alone and isolated in that. Number one, you're never alone because there's no less than four people in the room every single time <laughs> that you <laughs> yeah. take a breath, uh, Father, yeah. Son, Spirit, and you. And then there, it, this is like a global thing that's going on, and it is God. It is God leading and guiding his sons and daughters. And there are actually communities that they can connect with. They can connect with Joyland. I know you do a lot of things online, but just so in the process of this, that you can be loved and accepted and just grapple with things. And it's good. Just, just bring, bring Jesus right in it. He loves it. He loves it. So anyway, so help us with your insights, your, okay. Well, so, all right. So remember (laughs) the the two illustrations I used, first of all, all the scriptures were out of the New Testament. I love the New Testament. I spent a lot of time in the New Testament, but I thought, you know, if we're going to look at the, the deeper or broader or more comprehensive picture of what the good news is, it might need to appeal back to the Old Testament. So we, we opened ourselves to think about the Old Testament, pray about that. So you'll see some Old Testament scriptures in here. And the other, th- other thing is I want to go as far back in time as the Bible reveals. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of the scriptural patterns that we saw that were put forth as the gospel literally started with sin. They started mm-hmm. with the fall. Mm-hmm. And so that became in, in the absence of anything prior to that mm-hmm. from the heart of God or from the revelation of scripture, our fall, our designation as sinners mm-hmm. became the basic identity that the gospel the starting was, point, right? It was the starting mm-hmm. point and it was what the gospel was trying to address. Right. And, uh, and, I think that's one reason why you can look at the Roman road passage Mm -hmm. and out of seven uh, passages, six of them are about sin Mm -hmm. because, you know, a a lot of times a person will say, so what's the problem that that Jesus came to correct? And if you believe, if you, if you have a meta narrative situation that sin is that problem, Mm -hmm. then you're going to miss the most fundamental revelations in scripture about our identity when God made man and said they're very good. So anyway, we decided it goes far back in time. That was one of the thoughts we didn't want to. And even before time. Yeah. Even before time. Mm -hmm. Right. As far back as it gets revealed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that's, uh, if I can put a little parenthetical uh, encouragement here. That's all we mean when we say examining the assumptions of your meta narrative. It's not just throwing everything into the trash or whatever. No. It's so why are all nine of these scriptures or seven of these scriptures or whatever, why are eight out of the nine of them about sin? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because that's apparently I think that's what I'm assuming that that's what the gospel came to address. Okay. Uh, and maybe that's true and maybe it's not, but just by asking the question or, or the one thing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. The major so does thing. that create a greater yeah. emphasis on it? Uh, you know, I, I think so. Um, just as an example, one thing that creates a lot of tension between pastors and evangelists is pastors a lot of times are working out of that kind of new covenant revelation that God has mercy on our transgressions and remembers our sin no more. And evangelists are all about overcoming sin. And right. so it's almost like there's a lot. Well, and then and honestly, and, and the, the thing is, and it's kind of threatening as an evangelist, because if you take away sin as the driver, 
Yeah. Like, I, I can't evangelize now. It's like, no, you just evangelize differently. Yeah. You evangelize yeah. from a different perspective. But evangelism is huge. But where are we coming from? And if you start off with a faulty premise, you're going to end up with a faulty con- conclusion. Yes. So you if your premise is it's all about sin, yeah. we're going to miss yeah. it somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So anyway, those are the kind of assumptions. And, uh, and then we also wanted to reflect as accurately as we could who God is. Uh, the assumption that God is offended or angry mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. behind a bench somewhere with no face and lightning bolts like in the old mm-hmm. chick tracks. I just knew intuitively that doesn't represent who Jesus said the father was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it doesn't represent who Jesus was. Does exactly. it mean that Jesus never brought a word of correction or a, a warning? But he no, corrects I, because he loves. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So anyhow, mm-hmm. so uh, we kind of put this on, on a deal and it's broken down into a few categories. So let me read this and then I'll send you a copy of this document if it's something that, that would either be brilliant. in outline form something. I, what, we might, what I may want to do, and I'll, I'll take a look at the document. I'd love the document just for me. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe I, I'll just uh, include some of those scripture quotes because I'm sure people are going to be asking. So we'll yeah. try to include them in the in the notes so people can look up for themselves and grapple this out for yourself. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I just want to reinforce that with one more disclaimer. Uh, this is a living kind of, project for mm-hmm. us. Uh, we're certainly open to other scriptures. There, I, I would entertain that somebody might say, well, there's a better scripture than that. But that that's totally fine. That's our responsibility. That's our freedom. Yeah. That's why so this is the where you are so far. scripture <laughs> is with us. But this is where we've got it so far. So I'll yes. speak as if this is, this is, uh, this is real. Yes. All right. So, okay. um, the first section is called God chose our created purpose and destiny. And for this one, we reach back to the furthest point back in time before time for creation that we could find. And that's in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Mm-hmm. Now, it, we'd be here all day if I read all the scriptures, but I, love that. I sort of summarized, I sort of <laughs> summarized this in story form. Mm-hmm. So the assumptions coming out of three, uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Okay. And and that starts this way. I'll just read it in the American Standard. It starts, it's good. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless in, uh, before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of the will. Anyway, you can get the direction it's going. So here's the summary statement from Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Uh, before God created the cosmos, he, seeing himself as our father, predestined us to adoption as sons in Jesus, mm-hmm. his only begotten son from all eternity. Having you as a son is his forever desire and will. Mm-hmm. Now, these aren't the words that you have to memorize and preach like the gospel, but this is the story. This is the, the assumptions put in story form, and that's mm-hmm. what that little summary statement about uh, the last part of that i'll just repeat it and then move to the next one having you as a son is his forever desire and will now that is a terribly different place to start the gospel than all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god both are true mm-hmm. but one speaks of the beginning and one doesn't exactly, exactly. okay 
All right. So the next one, uh, a couple of scriptures both say the same thing. Uh, John 1, 1 through 3 and Colossians 1, 15 through 18. John 1, 1 through 3 is very familiar. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart him. Nothing came into being that has come into being. And then Colossians, Paul talks about for by him, all things were created, both in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. So here's the summary statement from those two verses. This Jesus, with God eternally and God himself, was who made and sustains every created thing. He came to us with the authority and union of the one who created us. Now, the difference between that and the normal gospel story that would that I've heard most of my life, mm-hmm. is that the reason that Jesus came was because we were sinners. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Dan Muller saying, no, that's a misunderstanding. Jesus came mm-hmm. to get heaven that we had lost back in our hearts. Sin made it a mess and a challenge, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. We're not ignoring that. But we wanted to understand it and sow into our hearts that he came with the authority and union of our creator. So it wasn't an aftermath. It wasn't a second Mm -hmm. idea. So then now is the first time we appealed back because we've already, remember, we've gone all the way back to before creation. So Mm -hmm. now it's time to step into what the scripture begins to reveal in creation. So Genesis 1, 26 through 2, 3, obviously it's a long passage, but it's about let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And uh, if you go on down to the end of that, in the beginning of chapter 2, it says, By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all his work. So the summary statement relative to the gospel of Genesis one twenty six through 2-3 is Jesus, acting in perfect union with Father God, made man and woman in his image and likeness and declared that all he had made was very good. Then God rested. Now, already, that is that is something that as a pastor, if I'm talking to somebody that I want to help repent and believe in Jesus, what a calm place to begin. Right. That God has always seen himself as your father, that, that Jesus has come to bring this all back together. And so, anyhow... Section two, because we're not trying to be wimpy about sin or anything, right. ignoring it. Sin Section is worse two, than we know. Yeah, it's, it's called darkness and yes. sin opposed our destiny and brought death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were made good. God mm-hmm. has predestined us to be sons. Mm-hmm. He sees himself as our father, but darkness and sin opposed our destiny and brought death. This is Genesis 3, 1 through 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this is the story of the serpent and, and then later after they sinned, they heard him and they were afraid and all this kind of okay. stuff. So you guys know the scriptures. Separation. But here's the mm-hmm. summary statement, the story, the meta narrative component. Mm-hmm. Tragically, the man and woman believed the tempter's lie about God and themselves, mm-hmm. took the knowledge of good and evil they were not ready to handle into themselves and became ashamed of themselves and afraid of God and hid from him. Wow. I love that. Took that knowledge they were not ready to handle. And that's really true. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, I we, love that. Because when you think about it, when you get into the New Testament, we're supposed to train our senses to discern good and evil. But Adam and Eve were 
unprepared for it at that time. They were, they were not, uh, mature mm-hmm. enough to be full partners in exactly. that knowledge. And it wasn't something that God wanted them to bear. And I don't have full theological understanding of all of that. Sure. But, but that statement, yeah, that, that's, that's my favorite part of that one too. They it. took the knowledge of good and evil they were not ready to handle in exactly. themselves. Well, God can handle it. But oh, yeah, totally. it's not, it's not, it's not good for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so now we we're jumping up to one of the traditional gospel verses in Romans chapter five, mm-hmm. 12 through 19. And, uh, gosh, this one passage of scripture has so much content in it. I may read, I may read the, 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 the longer version because okay. this is kind of critical. All right. So here, here's Romans five, 12, uh, through 19. And what translation are you using, by the way? New American Standard. Okay, cool. Yeah, New American Standard. Therefore, justice through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Mm-hmm. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the, on the one hand, judgment arose from the transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. So I sat there and prayed and uh, was dialoguing with the Holy Spirit and said, so what would summarize that? Here's the summary statement from Romans 5, 12 to 19, one I just read. Fear and death spread from Adam and Eve to all mankind. But the free gift from the Father's heart of grace in Jesus was greater than the failure of Adam. In the first, all died. In the second, all lived. It's awesome. Love it. So, so I'm hoping people can see how the scriptures are allowed, if we come at them humbly, which most people try to do, I understand that. But when we come at them, they're allowed to be distilled into an assumption. So the assumption is fear and death spread from Adam and Eve to all mankind. Mm-hmm. But, 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 <laughs> but, but, but the greater Christ assumption came. is that the gift from yes, Father's yes. heart in Jesus was greater than the failure of Adam. That's Absolutely. an assumption. Not that, not that Adam's sin is greater than Jesus' redemption. Right. That is a flip. There's a lot of people that believe that. Boy, it's true. They're just, yeah. I mean, it's, and, and that is a place of torment because you're so sin conscious. That you're not able to just, you know, it's like, did Jesus do anything on that cross? What was that about? You know, and so, yeah, yeah. um, uh, and, and the fact that in the mastery of it and in the mystery of it, uh, you know, uh, Jesus is a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So the answer came before the problem. Yes, uh, he's that masterful and then walked it out, uh, incarnate, uh, on the earth. I mean, it's, it's, it's sweeping and that's where you can rest your, where you can rest so that we're not saying since not an issue, it's worse than we know, but 
the the free gift of what Christ has done is greater than we know, and we can rest in that as we yes. engage in dealing Absolutely. with the after effects Absolutely. of ramifications yeah. of sin. What mm-hmm. Jesus did is simply more complete and more powerful than what Adam did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just that's it. Okay, yeah. so that's our first two categories. Uh, one deals with with our original condition. One deals with what sin did. Third category is this one. In Father's eternal love for his children, Jesus was his plan of restoration before time began. And so this is another one where we appeal back to the Old Testament, and it's the passage about in Isaiah 53, 1 through 6, that begins with, Who's believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Further down in that passage, it says, uh, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet, we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. The reason that this passage in Isaiah was important to me is so many of the tellings of the gospel cast the relationship between the Father and the Son on the cross as Mm -hmm. one of an offended party judging and punishing a party that had substitutionary been made guilty. And I'm telling you straight, everybody, you cannot find anywhere in the scripture where where the father punished the son. Exactly. Sin was the punishment that Jesus took on himself as sin for mankind. It wasn't God whipping into that or anything. Exactly. Like and, and, and God was in Christ reconciling the whole world. In Christ reconciling. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, yeah. So, so mm-hmm. I, I wanted to address that. And so the, the summary statement out of this Isaiah revelation is that Jesus was sent. He grew up before us. We didn't recognize him. We misunderstood his suffering. Yet he redeemed every area of our lives affected by darkness and sin. He carried our sickness and was wounded for our crimes. We all strayed like sheep and father let our crimes come down on him. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah I, 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 yeah, I think that's just a better understanding of what absolutely. Isaiah prophesied and what Beautiful. happened on the cross. Absolutely. And we were the ones. See, this is our meta-narrative. We were the ones that esteemed Christ stricken as smitten of God. Correct. Right? And so in our meta-narrative, well, Father, someone's got to get it for sin. So Jesus is the good cop. You know, Father's the bad cop. Yeah. So he's taken out on Jesus. Um, and that's what the gospel is. And that's not what the gospel is. It's because not that's the not the heart is. of the Father. And it yeah. also mm-hmm. presents a psychologically and emotionally completely untenable invitation. Mm-hmm. The invitation is, we want you to come and and, and be hugged by God. <laughs> this one who beat his son to death just so he could assuage his right. offense at you. Yeah. It's no wonder. So God, that God, God is, is an a, anger management problem, and I want to sp- spend <laughs> eternity on the other side of heaven hiding behind yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's not just that it's not convenient. Mm-hmm. It's that it's it's so misrepresents God. It's not even funny. Well, it, it yeah. is. It's a misunderstanding because Jesus is the express image of the Father. So yep. it's totally misunderstanding who God is. And if we go back to the original standpoint of it's to create a race of children of sons and daughters that he's wild. I mean, this is his thing. That's our that's the starting point. And so, um, that's not, so that's the heart of God. And so right. what do you do with sons and daughters that go astray? Do you punish them or do you heal them? Yeah. Keep well, and, and here, so here's the next, yeah, that's a great segue into the very next scripture. This is obviously a really common one, one that's frequently used in the gospel. 
uh, John 3, 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I essentially ask that exact question. Where do we mm-hmm. go to understand really what, what you did, God? If, if you didn't do this punishment, if we've esteemed him wrongly mm-hmm. and, and we cast you in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. Well, John 3, 16 and 18, this one I will read because it'll be so clear when people see it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe him has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, really, that almost doesn't take a summary meta-narrative statement, but I felt like it needed one because we're so familiar with those scriptures and we attach so much of our own baggage to the concepts of judgment and this, that, and the other, that you could still read that and think that, God went from being the father who sent Jesus to the father who punished Jesus. Yep. For That's the meta-narrative. So That's right. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. exactly right. So here's the summary statement uh, following on the Isaiah summary statement that from John 3, 16, 17. God did not send Jesus out of anger. He sent him from a love that did not falter. He kept loving the cosmos so consistently that when the time was right, He sent his son Jesus into the very darkness that sin caused among men, not to judge us for our sin, because sin and darkness is its own judgment, but so that we might be saved through him. Yikes, that's gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) That's gorgeous. That might make you happy right there. (laughs) It's a happy gospel. I know, I know, I know. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. All right, so category four. Yes. We, I, I felt it was important now to believe because one thing, when you start challenging some of the traditional aspects of the gospel, people say, Oh, so then it doesn't matter. No, everything matters. Uh, you know, so people don't have to believe. No, they do have to believe. Uh, it's, it's a lack of belief that, that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of because we don't believe in Jesus, you know, stuff like that. So category four is this. We receive and believe in Jesus to be empowered to become the children God already knows us to be. And that's pulled from uh, John chapter 1, verses 4 through 13. You, you know for sure where, where that is. So in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Mm-hmm. And then down a little bit, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And then in verse 9 to 12, it's just one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. There was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So how do you summarize the most (laughs) profound theological statement ever? So here's our shot at it. Yay. Father God sent Jesus, his son and our creator, to share his life with men and women who had become a kind of living dead. While we did not fully understand or recognize him, his life became light in our darkness. When we receive him and believe in him, we once again have the power to be the children of Father God we were predestined to be from the beginning. Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Love it. So that that did it for the idea of believe. But then I thought, okay, 
I'm sitting there talking to somebody who doesn't, doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know all this stuff. Uh, so the question came to mind, how does a person receive and believe in Jesus? How do you do that? So we've got a couple of scriptures there. One of them is in 1 John 4, 15 through 19. Uh, and it, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. And then it goes on down by this, is love perfected, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. And it talks about God being love, and we love because he first loved us. So here's the summary statement from John, 1 John 4, 15 through 19. We are invited to know and believe the love God has demonstrated for us by sending Jesus. In believing and confessing Jesus as Lord, we confess our belief that God is love, and then love casts out fear of punishment and final judgment. So as I was sitting there envisioning talking to somebody that, that I was sharing Jesus with, uh, what am I being asked to believe? That Jesus existed? That Jesus was punished in my behalf? Or am I fundamentally being asked to believe that God loves me in spite of who I am? And yes, and the who, I, that, who I've thought I am, because who yeah, you exactly, are... Exactly. Yeah, exactly, daughter. exactly. You're right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then the, the progression is simple, uh, but very powerful. And I've never heard this emphasized the way I wanted it to be emphasized as I talk to people about Jesus. We are invited to know. So I'm telling you, and I can show you in the scripture mm-hmm. that it says God loves you, but you have to also believe that. And there's a, there's a journey between mm-hmm. knowing and believing. Mm-hmm. That's what, what a person is being invited into. So that's the idea. We're invited to know and believe the love God demonstrated by sending Jesus. And then the next one is a very traditional gospel verse. It's Romans 10, 8 through 13, which is, uh, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised the dead, you'll be saved. A pretty straightforward thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it also goes on to say that whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. So there's a lot of relational stuff in there. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's the summary statement. Summary statement, unfortunately, is almost as long as the scripture. But <laughs> So this is our summary statement about how does a person believe part two here. Look inside your heart. Now envision uh, with me, um, Catherine, that you're talking to some precious soul mm-hmm. who's obviously the Holy Spirit's been working on, and they are, like you say, they're confronted with who they think they are and all misdeeds of their life. There's this promise coming their way. It seems unrealistic, but here's the summary statement. Look inside your heart. The Holy Spirit is with you, giving you belief in Jesus in your heart and words in your mouth. The belief in your heart brings you to the righteousness that Father God has given you in Jesus. The belief you speak with your mouth when you confess and call on Jesus as Lord results in the salvation you receive in him. Mm-hmm. Whoever, and that can be you, believes in Jesus will not be disappointed. And whoever, that can be you too, calls on Jesus as Lord will be saved. Love it. Oh, I love it. And I love that going back to your heart, like where is Holy Spirit speaking you as he's convicting you it's not, it's, I mean, not that Holy Spirit's not out here, but mm-hmm. this is a heart issue. And so look inside and say, Holy Spirit, so what's, what's going on? Do you really love, am I, is this really true? Right. All of that. And, and wow, that's, that is gorgeous. And, and it, it takes it in the relational thing that God originally intended. Absolutely. Yeah. He's dealing with honors, you as a son them. and daughter who don't, who don't know that you're a son and daughter. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. It honors the revelation that Jesus has come to enlighten the heart of every man. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it honors the revelation when Peter said, this is that and on Pentecost. We just celebrated Pentecost. This is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And Joel said that God said, in the last days, I will pour out my flesh on all. That means that this person, whoever they are, however ignorant they are of, of the gospel or of Jesus, mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit has has been poured out upon them and is at work in them for this very purpose. And I know that runs counter to some people's theology, but I just would leave those theological questions to their examination of Scripture. Exactly. I know that this is true, and so that's that's kind of why we said this: look inside your heart. Exactly. You know, and and the heart. issue is belief, right? Mm-hmm. It's there. You're an unbeliever because you don't believe. So how? Yeah. So your believer yeah, needs to yeah. be healed. And, you know, even exactly. believers are in the place where we're unbelieving believers, our unbelief needs. It, it's This is an ongoing process. One, am I a son and daughter? And then number two, what does all that mean? How do I walk that out? Yeah. Uh, why do I still sin if I've got blah, 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 all this stuff? Right. I mean, there's a right. lot of ramifications to it, isn't there? And, and you know, again, one of the challenges that that's some people that they just get insecure even thinking about challenging any of the traditional sort of tenets of the gospel that we have in our culture here is, well, gosh, if you, if you're not going to make sin the big issue, then what's the point? You know, nothing. No, belief is huge. Belief is huge. If, if, if you believe there's a lion in the streets, the proverb says Mm -hmm. you won't get out of bed. Exactly. (laughs) All you've got to do, all you've got to do to prove there's not is go outside. That's it. That's That's what we're helping people to do. We're helping people to, uh, know and believe the love that God has for him. So, and ultimately, anyways, this is eternal life, right? Yeah. See? Yeah. It's knowing the Father and the one he sent and the fact that you're his son and daughter. So you can experience eternal life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in the last five categories, we've, we've, we've gone back to before time. We've mm-hmm. included the creation of man to give people, uh, to help share the revelation that you are sons and daughters of God, your children of God, that he loved you. Then we've, we've not, uh, shirked the damage of sin. Uh, it, it was terrible. It's separated. It's a lie. You don't, you can't believe separated it. Separated in their minds. In their minds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Alienated, like Paul says, and mm-hmm. hostile to God and so on. Mm-hmm. Then we've come through the idea of what's our misconception about who Jesus is? Why was he sent? Who, you know, who is he? So the last category is what makes this beautiful free gift of repentance and restoration possible for you today? So it's just kind of our summary area. And it includes three scriptures that I think are a crime if they're not included in your list of gospel scriptures. Yeah, okay. And those three scriptures are Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Luke 15, 10 through 24, which is the story of the prodigal son and Galatians 4, 6. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read this. So, Second Corinthians five seventeen through twenty one. This is our last category, kind of driving that home. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away; behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ. You mentioned this earlier, Catherine, mm-hmm. reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God will make an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sent on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So here's the summary 
a kind of meta-narrative version of that. God has already reconciled you to himself. Now he's calling you to believe you're reconciled. He isn't counting your sins against you. He's asking you to believe that Jesus was made sin for you so that you can become God's own righteousness in him. Now is the right time to believe that you really are reconciled to your heavenly father. That's beautiful. And then, uh, you know, the story, everybody probably listening to you is familiar with the story of the prodigal son and how the son went away and the father was waiting to see him and he was received. So here's Luke 15, 10 through 24. Here's our summary statement of that. Again, answering the question, what makes this possible? We often identify ourselves by our failures and foolish choices, by our sins. But our Heavenly Father has never lost sight of who you are. His much-loved child, return to Him and experience the joy of His welcome and grace. That's just the picture of the story of the prodigal son to me. And then the last one, my summary statement is like four times longer than the scripture, <laughs> but it's Galatians 4, 6 and Galatians 4, 6 and 7 reads, uh, 4, 6 reads this way, because you were sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And I just, I, I, I always emphasize to anybody, because you are sons, not to become sons, right. because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. So here's the summary statement. Remember, God thought of himself as your father before he ever created anything in the cosmos through his son, Jesus. It's because he knows you are predestined to be his son or daughter in Jesus that he has sent the spirit of his son into your heart to cry out with you, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa God, here I am, your child. And I can guarantee people in the, in the name of Jesus, I am confident I can guarantee this. Lots and lots of people have gotten saved saying the sinner's prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive my sins. No doubt about it. But do, does anybody think that the Father would turn away from somebody who cried out, Dear Daddy God, Father of Jesus, here I am, your child. Would that fall on deaf ears? There's you would no never possible. say, no, you're not. <laughs> it's like, I've been trying to convince you. <laughs> Yay, you <laughs> got have, it. Yes. The plan since <laughs> the fall has been to get you to realize that. Absolutely. Oh, that's so, that's so So beautiful. anyway, so then I just counsel people to become familiar with these or other scriptures yeah. that mean a lot yeah. about the gospel. Yeah. You, I can think of Romans dozens of Romans 8, others. oh my goodness, that's a, yeah. just on and on and on about oh, sonship yeah. Oh, yeah, and awakening. Absolutely, absolutely. Like there's no condemnation in Christ. All these kind of things right. are amazing. Mm-hmm. Become familiar with those and then use your own words to summarize them. In other words, reprogram mm-hmm. your meta narrative because it's not just a matter of the scriptures you you memorize. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of the interpretation of those scriptures that take root in your assumed story and then storyline. Mm-hmm. That's why these summary statements, it's not me trying to rewrite the scripture. I had some people ask me about that. I even had somebody say, well, what version is that? It's not a version. It's, it's Larry's me, understanding and grappling. <laughs> right. It's me reprogramming the way the assumptions have taken form in my mind. And like I say, I'm, I'm open. And helping it make sense to you. So when you can reword it back in a place that is resonating with your heart, you're grabbing a hold of it, right? You're grabbing a hold of it. And so it's, it's something that's yours now. 
And yeah, so, absolutely. right. And so, I mean, that's beautiful. I'd love and, it. And, and, you know, I, I obviously did the best I, I, I thought about doing. And we went through a process at church where we would read these scriptures and we'd have a discussion on, uh, you know, at Fridays and mm-hmm. our, our study groups about well, what's the best way to summarize that. So some of this is input from other people. And that's something else I want to encourage everybody. You have the freedom to do that. You know, I'm not defensive about these. Are there better ways to sum up some of these scriptures or are there other scriptures that should be? Yeah, that, that's totally fine. But the, the, the trick is let these things displace mm-hmm. meta narratives that are less accurate, you know, and if you think sin is under emphasized in this, well, go ahead and add in a couple of sin scriptures. Yeah. If you think that going to heaven needs to be in here in some way or, you know, mm-hmm. we'll put those in there. That's, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, what would it be? Uh, Corinthians 11 about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians 11 about the resurrection would be a fantastic place. You know, we should uh, not all die, but we'll all be changed. Mm-hmm. So the point is, God gave us the revelation of scripture and the Holy Spirit's been poured out to be our teacher, to lead us into all truth. Do I think this is the whole expression of the gospel? No. Do I think it's the best expression the gospel could ever be? No. Do I think it's an expression of the gospel? Yes. And there's the hallmarks of freedom. Because when you look at whatever you are grappling with, what's the fruit of what you believe? And if it's freedom and joy and peace and all the, all the good stuff, you're on to something. Keep going. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's what he said. You're on to something. Keep going. You're, you're getting it. Yay. You. He's so, he's so excited about his kids as we start to like get it. You know, yeah. he's never like, yeah. what? You, you haven't mastered this. You're not onto calculus. I mean, I'm just trying to get the raw edition, but he's just thrilled. One plus one, baby. We got two and, and he's, we're growing and, and he loves it and it bears the fruit of the joy and the peace and the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and Catherine, I'll be honest. I, I haven't, I mean, this was just a, this was just a few, maybe three months ago, three and a half, I think when, when we finished this exercise. So I'm still waiting and, and expecting and wanting this to be. Um, to bear the fruit of allowing people to come to know Jesus in a, in a way that's, that's real. Um, so many of the folks that I pastor and myself included, you know, it's almost like sharing the gospel is you have to put on some foreign feeling Saul's armor, you know, right. uh, especially if you're, if you're a person who's really been touched by how much the father loves you. It's almost like you got to say that, but then you got to, put some kind of spiky things with it to make sure that people know you're serious or he's <laughs> serious. Make sure you get the same thing covered. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I'm still, you know, I, I just would encourage your readers, uh, for what use this might be, absolutely feel free to, to, to think about it, take it, add your own, but realize that there's a story running in your mind that causes you to emphasize things. We call them that in a narrative and causes you to be blind to things. And, uh, if you're, if your view of the gospel has been blind to the fact that God called the people he created very good, well, maybe you need to add some of that in. Or mm-hmm. if you, if you thought that the misconception that Isaiah pointed out that we think he was stricken by God, uh, if you failed to realize that was a misconception mm-hmm. because of the assumptions about we thought. 
I just yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, that's that. So that's what we did as sort of step one with the reevaluation of our meta nervous. We applied it to the gospel. And you know what's so great about that is that it's kind of like a, a an organic growing thing because we're still growing in the knowledge of Him, but you've kind of given us some rails to run on. Like, what does that look like good, to expand yeah. and grow and grapple? Uh, and add our, our, all of that. And that's, and that's brilliant. And also, you know, given us permission to grapple, right? You know, and yes. which is huge. God loves it. He loves Come it. Let us He's engaging <laughs> with his kids, right? He loves yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. So enjoyed that. I can't believe the time went by so fast. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> no, this is, this is a lot of fun. I, I appreciate being able to share this with your, with your readers. And I know you, I, I didn't have any doubt that you would find this helpful and, and, and exciting. Oh, it's fabulous. Uh, I'm sure your, re- your, your viewers and, and listeners will too. Um, Absolutely. You know, we're just in this situation. Jesus came to reveal the Father, and he commissioned us to be the same light to the world that he was. Uh, after, he, after he rose, he breathed on the disciples and said, you know, be filled with the Spirit, whoever sends you. Retain or retain sends you forgive or forgiven. I mean, that's a powerful thing. We don't hardly understand it. Wow, right? <laughs> and so we're his body, uh, reflecting him. And I, I just want everybody to understand that just because you ask a question about how a scripture or how an element of the gospel has been portrayed, don't come under the accusation that you're trying to rewrite the scripture or take things lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I included so much scripture in this as an understanding is we're absolutely dependent upon the revelation of scripture. Absolutely. We're not reaching mm-hmm. out into just fancies of imagination. There's no private interpretations or anything like that that we're trying to do, but we are, we are courageous in the spirit and in the love of the father to take a fresh look at things. Exactly. And, tr- and trusting that God is, doing his job, leading us and guiding us into all truth, right? And that Amen. we can rest in him and his masterfulness in yeah. it, even yeah. though we are we may be kind of all over the map or whatever, or just partial knowledge, partial knowledge. Yeah, just right? that's it, just mm-hmm. partial knowledge. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and realizing that there's a continuing revelation from the Scripture, not instead of the Scripture, mm-hmm. from the Scripture, mm-hmm. as, uh, as the church moves forward and as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal stuff. Awesome. Wow. So Larry, if people want to contact you and I, I am going to put these scriptures. So I'm looking forward to the document that you okay. will send and I'll, I'll put those scriptures in there as for people to grapple with. Um, but if they want to contact you, I know you do a lot online, which is brilliant because the simplest way to get a hold of us right now is to go to joylandlife.com. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. a, a meetings page there. Uh, you can go on. We've got four or five online meetings each week. And then we meet on Friday, but that's also available online Friday uh, here at mountain time, six 30. Mm-hmm. And we have some people joining all over. We had a delightful thing happen last night at our, our Tuesday group, uh, a youth pastor from Kenya. Oh, had awesome. Watched a couple of videos, download, had some questions and he's starting a small group and wanted to experience one of ours. So it's fantastic. Nice. So yeah, you can, you can get Connecting on and, uh, I, I'm still not as completely happy as I am hoping to be 
about how easy it is for Zoom participants to fully participate. There's still that little bit of a barrier, you know, between watching and and participating. But every one of our meetings that you would join on Zoom uh, is fully interactive and we make time for questions. We make time for comments. We appreciate your stories and we're even moving more fully in that way. So it, it, it's a real interactive experience, and, and there are people that have actually become as much a part of our community as if they live right here in, in Colorado. So, yeah, I would, I would welcome anybody to look into that. You can also go to Joyland Church on Facebook, and you can see most of our messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've got some new things that are developing uh, that hopefully in the next couple of times I'll be able to advertise those as well. Woo-hoo. Yeah, things are happening. That sounds fabulous. And then we're planning on get, getting together uh, one more time in the near future. So I'm looking yes. forward to that. Uh, so yeah, lots, lots going on. We'll put the scriptures in there. I'll get the contact information for Larry so you can, uh, connect with Larry and uh, beautiful. Joyland's beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful people. And, um, yeah. And then Thanks. I look forward to next time. Thank you for coming. Yeah, me too. Me too. I am too. So thank you very much for having me on. It's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege and a real joy. And I just, I love the connection. I'm glad that we're maintaining it. And uh, bless you for all that you're doing. Bless your family. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So everybody share this with someone who needs to grapple and uh, deal with those meta-narratives. And everybody (laughs) have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.